Good day, my friends. Hey, it's Dwayne Klassen here. Welcome to the Remarkable Man Show. Gentlemen, you know that leadership is sorely lacking in today's world. And so today, I wanted to bring on my special guest, Rodolfo Carrillo. And he is a conscious leadership shaman. Yeah. I wanted to bring him on because it is so important that we, as men, look at leadership with a new lens. And that is a conscious lens. Because right now, we're seeing all kinds of leadership that isn't serving humanity. We need to bring a sense of being into our leadership, and that is in all areas of our lives. And my special guest, Rodolfo, is going to deliver on a very powerful aspect of leadership. Let's get the insight and info on Rodolfo. Rodolfo Carrillo is a conscious leadership shaman. Rodolfo has developed the Power Sir model. Actually, he's going to pronounce it way better than I do. The Sir model for achieving leadership of the fullest potential as well as deep, sustainable personal mastery and business growth. Rodolfo is an MBA graduate that has been involved in mentoring transformational leaders, business consulting, and training for more than 15 years, and has participated as an independent director in more than 25 business boards. He has also been meditating and in personal and spiritual development path since he was seven years old. That's right, seven years old. Rodolfo has a very interesting and unique combination of business skills, experience, and spiritual wisdom and triggers profound transformation through his work, which is motivated by his purpose to raise consciousness in the world so all beings can live in harmony and greater well-being. Gentlemen, Rodolfo Carrillo, let's go. Gentlemen, the world needs remarkable men. This is your time, and this is your show. I'm your host, Dwayne Klassen, and welcome to the Remarkable Man Show. Rodolfo Carrillo, into the conversation. Welcome to the Remarkable Man Show, my friend. Hello, Dwayne. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm, I, I remember our conversation was probably about two months back now, and when we dove into a few com- pieces of that conversation, I knew that this would be a great topic to help men to identify some of the pieces that might be missing in their world. But those pieces, not only are they great for the the corporate world, but personally as well. And I love how you went into B leadership. And perhaps we can start there as to, you know, being what leadership is. What, what do you mean by that? So basically, regardless of, of what we want, the way we show up as humans to, in front of others is going to have an influence. Sure. Right? So even if I don't have, want to have an influence, right? if you come into a room and there's people having a conversation and you come into the room and you sit in a, quietly in a corner, those people who are there, are going to be influenced by your presence. Like yeah. even if you're not interacting with them, you're not saying anything, right? So, it, being leadership is is about becoming aware that we are influencing those around us um, by merely by who we are and how we're showing up, 
And as we become aware of our inner dimensions, then now we can start uh, developing our potential as, as leaders, right? We can start transforming how we show up, who we are, how we show up, and how we influence those around us. So, because um, a lot of times we tell people, and maybe it, like if you're in business, like you, you probably have more than one example where you've told someone, it's like, please do this, please do this. And you tell them three, four, or five times, right? And yet they still have a lot of trouble doing it. It's more about how you're showing up and, and from what place are you telling people what you want them to do, right? So, um, and I have a ton of examples about that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Give us a, what would be a great example? Right. So I've been, I've, I've been a consultant for 16 years working with family businesses. And yep. I had this um, family business, uh, family client who had a business and they constantly had this situation where uh, their employees were robbing from the, from, from the business, right? They, okay. they yep. had a distribution business. So they have this big warehouse with a lot of products and they, they constantly were catching people stealing from the, from the business. Um, and one day I, I, I showed up a little bit early for a meeting and I found um, the mother of the, of the family um, picking up different things from the warehouse putting them in a basket and just walking out of the business and putting it in the, putting the uh, products in the car. So as we went into the meeting, I asked her, it's like, Hey, what, what were you doing? And she says, well, I, I take stuff from here and I take it home because it's, it's most, uh, mostly food and consumables. Um, and I told her, do you pay for them? And she says, no, why would you, what, why would I pay for them? It's like, what do you think employees are seeing right, in, the, in, in what you're doing? Right. They're seeing you take stuff and take it home, not paying for it. Right. And then and then you complain that they, they're doing the same. It's like you're modeling what what their, their behavior the behavior that you don't want in them. Right. So um so start paying for for the for the products. Even if you like take the money from the from the cashier, the go pick the stuff and then pay it back in. So just model the behavior, right? And when they started doing that, um Eventually, the 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 the, the, the employees start stopped stealing from them, right? And they they and they were able to create a different culture. So it's it's about how we show up and who we are, uh, what influences those around us, and and we want to become aware of that so that we, as we internally grow and expand, then we allow others around us to also expand. Right. Wow. I want to circle back around to that in a little bit here, but for our audience, kind of give us the 411, or that's a North American thing on information, but uh, just how did you step into this as your purpose, your passion? What what was the catalyst that got you into this uh, trajectory that you're on now? That's an interesting story because I've... Uh... When I went to college, I studied business and then I got a master's degree on entrepreneurship and family business and mm. I started doing consulting. Um, but as I was consulting two family businesses, people started asking me, how do you keep yourself centered? How do you keep yourself in a state of peace? How do you not engage with all this emotional right. stuff that families go through? Right. And and I told them, like, well, I've also like I've been meditating and on an inner path journey since I was seven years old. Right. right. So um, it just it was just part of who I am 
because I've been in this path of self-awareness and balance and inner balance for a very long time. And, and as people started asking me and telling me, it's like, that's, that becomes so powerful because when you show up, like when you come into the room, then I, I would become, this is what they were telling me, I would become like this pillar that would hold a space right. so they could actually find their peace uh, and, and, and be able to have uh, conversations that they hadn't been able to have in, in years, right? So I started sharing this, or actually the other way around. People started asking me to share my personal practice, right? And I started recognizing the power of it because before that, I was oblivious to the power that who I was and how I held myself um, had the power that it had in the family dynamic and, and with for for and with my clients. Well, did, did you did you actually know the power of uh, that centering practice and and just knowing how to bring out that energy within yourself? Did you know what the ancillary benefits would be out there uh, when when you started this practice? I did not know when I started consulting that okay. who I was and how I was showing up was going to be so impactful. I, I, right. I was fairly young. I was 29 years old when I started doing consulting on my own business, like uh, my own firm. Um, so I, I I thought it was like at that age, I was basically focused on uh, the content and what I where I needed to take them and blah, blah, sure, blah right? Sure. Uh, but then as, as the years went by, I started noticing that who I was and the way I was showing up was having... Like was facilitating the space so that mm-hmm. we could actually have the conversations that we needed to have, and that's where I started like studying more into leadership. And and well, I I come from business, so I did some I had some studies in leadership, but I started going deeper into right. how the being influences the leader, the 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 people around us, and how to expand that, and eventually to the place where I am today on how to teach others that the way they are within. But what's going on within is going to have an impact around, and how to how to maximize that, how to maximize that potential, how to use it. So now you're you're doing your consultancy work, uh, starting to pick up steam. You're you're getting uh, to to be known uh, for doing these modalities and and teaching. Uh, what what have you known uh, or observed from the time that you started to where you are now? some of the fundamental shifts that you're seeing uh, both in the corporate world, because you, you do some consulting work in that space. And also let's bring it, bring it back to men in particular, the demographic for the show. Uh, are, are you seeing any shifts and changes along the way and, and some places where we need to dive deeper into the modalities that you're uh, teaching to the world uh, what are some of the things that you're noticing uh, across the board? Yeah, so I'll go back when when I was studying uh, business uh, in college. I, I in parallel I studied psychology. Mm. I did not graduate as a psychologist, but I I got like eighty percent of the uh, sure. of the of the, uh, uh, of the courses done. But when I, I was taking, I remember this moment, the specific moment where I was like taking my business class in the morning. And they were telling me, the, the professor was telling me, it's like, you got to learn how to like leave your emotional and, and, and your emotions and your family problems at home. Because when you show up at work, it's like, you, you got to be there. It's like, you got to be focused on work. And then I went to the, my psychology class in, in the afternoon and the, and the teacher, the professor was, was telling us, um, 
we got to understand that once something is happening in an area in our lives, that affects our whole life. Absolutely. And whoever is able to separate like some emotions from the life, they're actually having a psychotic breakdown. I'm like, oh my God, it's like they actually told me in the morning that I need wow. to be able to develop psychotic breakdowns in my life, right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was the world in which I grew up, the business yeah. world in which I grew up. And one of the things that I see today and I love about today is like we're embracing emotions in in, in the business yeah. right, in the business world. And for us as men, especially who have been denied our emotions and in, in our, in our most sensitive side for so many centuries, mm -hmm. right, to be able to embrace them and embrace a whole beings right, uh, into work, it just makes us much more powerful, right? Because it, it makes us more um, it, may, it it helps us develop our intu our intuition. It helps us develop our connection to others. Helps us develop our compassion, and so we become better leaders. And people are, are uh, willing or more willing to work with us and develop their full potential with us. So so that's the changes that I've seen at a, at a global scale. Um, I think for a lot of us, it's just or or for a lot of people, it's just starting. Yeah. Um, yep. But, but we can also see great examples of, of great leaders, great compassionate leaders um, with uh, who are in touch with their inner self and, and they just become much more powerful. I see it in my, my coaching practice as well, where, uh, you know, it's really impossible to separate what's going on in the home world and what's going on in the business world, you know, to, to really go into it thinking that, oh yeah, I can leave that alone or I can just shut that down and be productive over here without it impacting or vice versa. And um, the psychotic breakdown, I, I love that. I love that because that's essentially what it would have to be in order for you to be complete in that. With my audience, I know, I know that there are some men that are playing at a high level and they're uh, they've been conditioned by society or their, their business or their school, their college or whatever. They just keep on driving, keep on driving. And this might come across as woo-woo or esoteric to, to be more feeling, be more you know, in your emotion. What would you say to them as a, uh, a, a piece that they can, they can utilize to transcend or know that it's okay? It's okay to let go of this paradigm and move into this because on the other side of that, they're going to be much more capable and much more powerful men. That's such a great question because um, I love sports, right? And I've played sports like since I was a little kid. Um, I, I played organized basketball for, for, for the longest time. Okay. Um, but one of the things that I, have well in in the last 15 years recognized that I was able to do when I was playing basketball as a kid mm. uh, or as a young adult. Um, it was that I was able to acknowledge my inner state, my inner emotional and mental state. And I was able to bring myself to that state of balance very quickly. And at the same time, I was also using that as an mm -hmm. advantage with my with my uh, with the other team, right, and right. even with my own team, right, with my own teammates, um, I learned to recognize who gets triggered uh, by what, and who gets actually, and, and who who is triggered badly, 
Right. right. So I had I, one of my best friends, like if I push him, like if I tell him like you're doing wrong, it's like that, that was wrong. He would break up. It would just stop playing good. Right. So I actually had to encourage him. He's like, no, like, don't worry about it. You messed it. Like, it's fine. You messed it, this one up, but next one you'll do better. He's like, you're a great player. He's like, keep going. And then one of my other best friends, uh, he's actually the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Like if you push him, like if you, like if you push him, he just elevates his game. So I use that. Right. With him, right. So whenever he was like uh, lacking something or just not pulling, uh, putting his one hundred percent effort in it, I would just push him. Like, hey, what's wrong with you? You're really playing really badly. And then he would just use all that energy and and elevate his game. And I did the same thing with with the opposite team. So um, what I'm what I'm trying to say is, when we learn how to recognize our own inner state how to bring ourselves to balance, how to deal with our emotions, how when we recognize that our mind is off the game, like our emotions are running wild and we're able to recognize it and bring ourselves to balance. Now we can, like, now we show up in a different way. Right. And we also learn how to use that with those around us so we can elevate the whole team's game, right? So I don't think, and, and this has been in sports for a long time and we see it, it's like you you, you see a Michael Jordan and, and you know that he won the game in the mind first. Yeah. Right, he's an amazing basketball player, but he's more of a genius in the mind, right? And in the way he shows up and he feed it fuels his own energy, right? And he fuels his team. And uh, and yes, there's stories about he breaking other people around him, but but he was really good at at that this inner game, right? And and not allowing himself to break down, um, and actually being able to pick himself up and, and move forward. So um, I don't think it's, uh, and that's usually the example that I use with, with sure. men, I don't think this is woo-woo or this is, this is like really powerful inner work. Absolutely. Because it is like being able to harness our full potential, right? And, and, and our full potential involves our emotions, involves the way we, we are thinking and where our mind is and, and triggering that and, and using that with those people around us. I agree. Uh, there, this couldn't be more, further removed from being woo-woo. I mean, it, this is this is us moving into who and what we truly are and what we're capable of. And we tend to believe that, oh, it's, it's only for them. It's for the superstars or it's for those people. But truly, it's, it's it being in alignment who we truly are, um, especially as men, because I believe women are more intuitive and, and more connected to their emotion. And for men, it's been something that we've been conditioned and perhaps it's in our DNA to some degree that says, you know, we're going to, we're going to keep this over here and compartmentalize it. But when we truly embrace it as a power, then wow, we truly are unstoppable. Rodolfo, I want to dive deeper into your book being leadership and you, you talk about the SIR model. And I find it fascinating. And perhaps we can go through a few points that the SIR model represents. And for the listeners, whether they're in a business or they run a, a company or they have a team or the team's the home front, maybe we can dive into some of the, the, the pieces that the SIR model represents. Yes. Um, and, and the SIR model, well, the, the, ver- the, the word SIR is a verb to be in Spanish, right? So basically, it's the ser model is the, is the model on how to be. And so how do you how do you say it? Ser, ser, yes. Ser. Okay, <laughs> excellent. Uh, so it, it's it's 
we are we are very complex beings, and, and 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 there's a difference between being complex and being complicated, right? Being complicated is taking something that's distinction. Yeah, very simple, and then we entangle it, and we and, and we create a lot of stories around it. Being complex means we have a lot of moving parts, and when one part with, or variables, and when you when you move a variable or you affect a variable, then all the other parts also get affected. So understanding that we are complex, what the cell model does is it allows us to see the, the different parts, right, that that are moving within us, so that we can start working with them. So mm-hmm. the cell model is based on seven aspects and five principles. The principles are just the lens we use to see ourselves or, or the world, right, which is really important. Um, and, and they're very simple. Their purpose, right, it's like making sure that there's a drive, there's a why in our life. Um, interdependence, acknowledging that we are in this together. None of us were brought into this world on or, or, or brought ourselves into this world. We were brought into this world by two other people. Um, um, Rodolfo, you, you mentioned something really uh, important there, the why in your life. I, I find that for a lot of people, that's that's missing. That's a key, that's key piece that's missing, whether that it's their their job or their side hustle or something that they're wanting to pursue. And I see this a lot uh, with you know, my new clients when they come on board is something that we go through. Can you maybe just kind of dive a little bit deeper into why having that why is so important? Yes. Um, and, and that why is really important in uh, because of the interdependence. Because we are part of a bigger system, mm. uh, uh, the why is how we plug into that system. Right, it's it's what gives us the belonging. It's why am I wanting to be a part of this bigger system, and how am I contributing to this system? That triggers a, 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 a the part of our brain that is programmed to belong to a tribe because without a tribe we wouldn't survive. Right. So as we develop a why, as we develop a role in the tribe, it's like why am I doing this? It's something that drives me that goes beyond something that I want to achieve for myself. It, it's it's expensive. It includes those around us. Then we trigger that uh, that part in our brain that feels part of something bigger. So it gets us off uh, fear mode and more into the belonging, the expansive, the the a state of love. And when I say love, it's not the romantic love. It's right. a state of uh, of union with with what's around us right and and it gives us a lot of uh, well-being and it gives us um i don't want to use this the word pleasure but there is a little bit of pleasure but this this sense of peace and 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 well-being that now from that state we can actually operate at a higher level because we're not in defensive mode we're not in fear mode uh, fight, flight, or, or or freeze. Right, we're right. in this creative mode when we when we feel safe and secure and belonging. Right, so the why is really important because it creates a lot of energy in us and this expansiveness, not only in the body but also in the mind. Right, and 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 it goes hand in hand with the interdependence. Right, with the acknowledgement that we're part of a bigger system. Sure. Um, sure. And then the other three uh, pieces or principles are responsibility, which is assuming responsibility for my own life, for my purpose, for living out my purpose. The next one is compassion, which is making sure that I create value for myself and others. And that's the way I translate compassion. Compassion is that understanding that we're all suffering and wanting to do something about it. 
but the way I can I, I, I translate that into our day to day is how am I creating value? Right? How mm-hmm. am I making sure that every day I'm creating greater well-being for myself and those around me? Um, and the last principle is having a beginner's mindset, which is being able to or being willing to learn all the time from every experience. So these five principles become a virtuous cycle. Right. right. It's like I come from a why because I belong to a greater system. I assume responsibility for my own life and I want to create greater well-being for myself and others. And for that, I make sure that I'm constantly in a, in a, in a mindset that's a beginner's mindset. I'm constantly learning on how to do this uh, better and better, right? Or how to do more of it, right? So those five principles just lead, lead us into a, a, a life of expansion, those pieces that are fundamental in really taking ownership of our lives and that self-responsibility, I find in today's world, it's sorely missing. I mean, everyone seems to be in this perpetual state of fear based on social media and, and, and mainstream media and what's, what's happening. And I find men in particular, our role is to be at... Uh, taking a leadership role within the family dynamic or a leadership role within our, our tribe. And it's gone now. It's, I, I don't see a lot of men taking self-responsibility for what's going on and just easily pointing fingers and blaming. When you are working with these high-level individuals and the, the corporations, is is there a, a quick adoption or is there do you, do you find that you ever get resistance from some of the philosophies that you're putting out there to some of these teams and these businesses? Well, usually when 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 the person comes to me, they they they're already open, right? Okay, yeah. <laughs> but when I work with corporations and I do and and, and I do the trainings, um, there is at the beginning there is some resistance to it because we it, we've been so conditioned to see the world in it in the through the eyes of separation right through the eyes of competition right so it's like we have to be the best and since we're little kids it's like you have to be the best you have to get the best grades you have to beat your uh your your uh your classmates in in grades and sports and everything so we we're we're educated to be separated instead of cooperating right and then we we go into business and business when i when I started business, it was all about competition, right? It was about making my company the best one. Um, and, and, and cooperation wasn't really uh, talked about, right? And then we, we, we create all this sense of competition, even within the company. You have to become the best employee so that you get um, the promotions. And then we want people to work together. And then we talk about teamwork. And it's like, well, teamwork is basically against everything we're telling people, right? It's like, well, we're, we're, we're giving the, the, the bonus to the best one, but then we're also asking the best one to cooperate with others, which actually puts his bonus or her bonus at risk. So it's like, it, it, it's, sure. it's, it really doesn't make sense, right? So um, there is resistance, but as, as we see learn to see ourselves and see our lives um resistance quickly uh, uh, falls or, or, or is unable to sustain itself because it's like when we see our lives we if, if if you go a little bit deeper 
you can recognize that you're not in this world and you've never been, you would never be able to survive in this world on your own. Never. Like I wouldn't be able to dress myself, to eat, to do anything. Say I probably wouldn't survive a week if it wasn't for the hundreds of thousands of other people who intervene in my life daily, right? in, in making the clothes that I wear and bringing the food that I eat. And say, I, I can't grow an apple, right? It's like, I, so it's, it's just when we understand that it stops making sense to Absolutely. compete and it starts making a lot of sense to cooperate, right? And, and even within, or the easiest way to understand this is within a company. It's like you can't get the financial department to compete with the marketing department to compete with the production, with the compete with the sales. It's like, no, you have to cooperate, Right, and the only way to co- and the only way for the company to thrive is for you to cooperate within, and then cooperate with the clients, cooperate with your providers, cooperate with the community, and that that's the only way to thrive, right? And truly, truly survive and then thrive, right? So, so it, it is not hard to understand. It's just we've been conditioned to see the world in a different way. We've been conditioned to see the world in separation, in competition, in survival of the fittest, when even survival of the fittest depends on others right it's so it's like so it's, true I, mm-hmm. I i see it i get it and you're you're so on point where everything is about team i mean there's the the old uh, euphemism and there is no i in team well i mean it is true this individuality piece that a lot of people are are striving for you still need people to even pull that off and yeah it just kind of opens your eyes. He you starts to see the world through a different lens. Hey, gentlemen, just wanted to chime in here quick and tell you about the Remarkable Man Project. Listen, if you want to be a part of a group of like-minded men that are here to level up and scale up their life in all areas around the world, then this is a group for you. Go to the Remarkable Man Project on Facebook and join us there. As well, gentlemen, I've got a gift for you. Check out my book, The Remarkable Man, Champions to Women, Heroes to Children, and Brothers to Each Other. It's the book that started it all. This groundbreaking book will help you identify what the remarkable man is within you and how to get there. Click the link in the side note or in the show notes and download your free PDF today. Now, you talk about the conscious leader. Now, what, what are some of the some some key pieces that a, a viewer or a listener uh, to the podcast could adopt to be more of a conscious leader. That's the hardest and the easiest thing at the same time. And when I say the easiest is to just bring your awareness within, right? Yep. It sounds very easy. But then at the same time, it's the hardest because again, we're trained to be more aware of what happens around us than what happens within us. Right. So a lot of us, like the, this is true for me, I was unable, and, and I've been trained since I, was, since I was a kid to bring awareness within, but it wasn't until like about 15 years ago so that I... Well, where did you get that awareness? Who At, at an early age, where, where did that information come in? Yeah, that was that was my mom, right? And, and the story is very, very interesting because I came home from school uh, and when my, uh, my little toe was hurting in, in my foot, and I couldn't sleep. And, and, and my mom told me, it's like, we're going to do a relaxation. And she guided me in this meditation, which at that, at that moment, I did not know what it was. But she guided me in this meditation. And I 
I, I went into this deep state of, 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 of sleep, right, or, or, or med- meditative state. And I woke up the next day and the foot was twice its size and I couldn't stand on it. It was wow. hurting a lot. And it took me to, to uh, the doctor um, and they took an x-ray and the doctor said, well, he's got a broken toe. Uh, when did this happen? And my mom says, well, he's been complaining about pain since it came from school yesterday. And right. the doctor's like, there's no way he spent the night like this because this hurts too much. And there's no way a little kid can, can sleep through the night with this pain. And my mom's answer was like, well, I don't know how he did it, but she knew, right? She knew that she had put me in this meditative state and I, I enjoyed it. So uh, after that, she told me, it's like, do you want to keep learning how to do this? And I said, yes, I was a little kid. And I said, yes. And, and she kept teaching me and, and guiding me through meditations. And, and she would re- read a ton of books and then uh, spiritual and mystic and occultism books. And then she would just give me the cliff note. And those, th- those were my uh, bedtime stories. Wow. It, but at the same time, she told me, it's like, you can't tell anyone I'm teaching you this. Because they're going to think you're crazy or they're going to think I'm crazy and can can try and take you away from me. So you can't tell anyone. Wow. So I didn't tell anyone until I was 17 years old and my best friend, we've been friends since we were six and he came over and he said, you, you know, you, you got to like, you got to check this out. It's like, I found this thing called meditation and it's just amazing. And I just laughed and said, well, my mom's been teaching teaching me for 10 years how to do it. It's like, he's like, what do you mean your mom? Like, why hadn't you told me anything? It's like, well, because we just don't talk about it, right? (laughs) Right. Was that kept on the down low because of Catholic church influence? Yes, because Costa Rica at that moment was uh, very Catholic and and people were not open to that. Like right now, it's very different. Like Costa Rica is like a spiritual I know. I get, center I get, for the whole world, right? But that, that a friend moment, that has our yoga retreat down there. And so, right? yeah. At that moment, that wasn't really well seen. <laughs> so you, you've been awake and aware for a very long time. So you come by all your practices very honestly. You've been, you've been doing that almost your whole life. Yes. And at the same time, uh, for a bunch of those years, my lives were separated, mm. right? So there was my spiritual practice and there was my business side um, or, or my the rest of my life. Sure. And they wouldn't cross on the, on, on the outside, right? They, 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 I would have my practice and then I would go to work, right? right. Uh, but no one would see them both. And that's one of the things that I started to change about eight or 10 years ago. Um, it was speaking more openly about my spiritual practice and basically because people started asking not because i wanted to mm-hmm. right? and, and it and, and people started seeing the benefit of it and started going started asking me to share more and more so i started doing it and that's well that's what i do today right but i think one of my strengths uh today in the work that i do is because i've been in both worlds for so long right and, and I've, I've learned to bridge the gap first within me and now I help others bridge those gaps, right? Right. Well, I think that's the thing, same thing has happened with my world. The, mo- the moment I allowed my spiritual growth, my meditative practice, and, and my uh, self-development become who I am as a brand, right? rather than separating it, things changed. And of course, once I went down the trajectory of the remarkable man, uh, it had to be. It had to be a big piece. In fact, I had to put it front and center 
in order for me to be of service to the men that uh, are going to come into my sphere, the, those that are going to hire me, taking those meditative or the spiritual practices as a modality uh, is, is just absolutely fundamental and so life-changing and it allowed me to be congruent. I know we got off track a little bit in regards to the conscious leadership, but I, I wanted to find a little bit more out uh, about your story and how this all came about. I think it's fascinating. So let's let's go back to the conscious leadership piece. Right. So and 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 it fits right back in because conscious leadership is about bringing that awareness within, recognizing what's going on, and 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 that means having. Uh, uh, I, I call it a ear inside, right? Being always listening to what's happening within, what's happening emotionally, what, what's happening physically, what's happening emotionally, what's happening mentally. Right. right. And when I say mentally, what's the story I'm telling myself as I'm having this conversation with you? Because the story that I'm telling myself is going to influence the way I act, how I feel, and eventually what I say or or or, or move forward with. Right. So being able to recognize that is really important because now I can have the other ear outside and I can be aware of what's going on within you or, mm-hmm. or with you and hopefully also within you, right? And try to like try to tap in in a deeper level with you. Right. So now we can connect at a different in a different space, right? Because I'm connected to myself and now I can open up to the connection to to you, right? And and that conscious leadership is. But the definition of conscious leadership for me is the ability to influence others from a state of self-awareness so that others can voluntarily and enthusiastically work together towards a common goal. Right. So um, I love that. It's great. It's an, it's an ability we can, we can develop it, right. Uh, It's a skill we can develop of self-awareness where we influence others. Like we don't force others. We, we create influence in others so that they voluntarily and enthusiastically, it's like we, we're not forcing, we're not using our power, right? And, and, and we'll talk, I'll talk a little bit about it in a bit. Um, we're, we're influencing, we're having them want to, right? Uh, voluntarily and enthusiastically, they don't not only want to, but they're doing it like they have an expansive emotion, uh, work together towards a common goal, right? So that is really powerful. When we get to do that, we have expansive, when we have high performance, that's the definition of a high-performance team. Yeah. Right? It's a team that really wants to do what they're doing. They're really good at it, and they're constantly growing and expanding. Right? And, and what I wanted to say is we want to make a difference between power and leadership or power position and leadership because a power position is like I can be a CEO of a company. Right? And, the, and, the, and being a CEO doesn't necessarily make me a leader. Right. Right. That means I have power and I can force people around me to do stuff. Right. A leader doesn't need a power position. Right. A leader can be at any rank. It's just people follow that person because they, he, he or she influences those around. Right. Right. And, and hopefully we have those two pieces together. So we have the CEO who has power and who also has influence. And now we have an amazing leader. Right. Right. Because when, when it's needed, he will use the power to like move forward, but 99% of the time or 95% of the time, he'll use influence and we'll follow him, right? And so when he has to use power, we trust him, 
because right. he's leading, he's he's always been leading yeah. us from influence, right? So that really becomes powerful, and that's what we want to develop, like conscious leaders which use power and influence in a very profound and and and, and powerful way. For the viewers or the listeners, whether they're watching on YouTube or on one of the uh, podcast platforms, they might be in their car, they might be doing something, but I what I'd like to do is. If there's a, a scenario, let's let's just say that someone is triggered. They're constantly triggered, or they're holding on to some resentment, whether it's towards a uh, their beloved, whether it's uh, in the relationship, it might be at work, a colleague. They're dealing with something, and it's kind of a powder cake, and they've been not wanting to address it just because it represents a pain point. How would you suggest if you could give them some some guidance on how to bridge that gap and and perhaps have a, a powerful or a difficult conversation? So I think you described it really nice holding on to something. Because um, I usually tell my clients that's like like you you take a big rock um, and you put it in a bag and then you like you you're pulling it or you're dragging it all around everywhere you go, right? So right. it becomes heavy. Um, now the only way to like with, to deal with that is like if you if you have it in a back imagine you have it in a backpack in your back and it's like the only way to deal with that is turning around opening the backpack and then dealing with that rock right and taking that rock and putting it out now emotionally or, or, or for us that means facing emotionally facing what's going on right and so one is acknowledging your emotions if you're sad if you're frustrated if you're disappointed if you're angry, whatever it is, and dealing with that emotion. And that means allowing the emotion to be. That doesn't mean taking out your emotion on someone else, right? I'm just saying allowing the emotion to be. It's like if, I, if I'm if i angry, like I don't want to take my anger out on my family or my colleagues or whatever. It's like I want to deal with my anger. So if I'm going to take a walk, just allow myself to express that anger outside, uh, that's important, right? Or the sadness, if I need to cry, then that's, that's okay. It's like allow ourselves to cry or feel whatever it is. Once we get rid of the emotion, then now we can start moving into a more uh, mental space, right? which is what do I want to do? Like, what do I truly want to do? And now I can have a conversation with the other person, trying to have a conversation with the other person from that emotional state, especially if we've been hanging on to it for a long time is really hard uh, because our emotions are going to take over and we want to be aware that the emotions or we want to be conscious enough so that the emotion doesn't take over what we want to say, that what we want to build or, or, or how we want to transcend the situation. So it's uh, it's facing the emotion, the, the emotion and then moving forward with the conversation of what we truly want, identifying what we truly want. Wow, I can't believe how quickly things are going here. Uh, that's just the nature of a great conversation. I typically will end end the conversation with a, a question, and that is, with your level of awareness, Rodolfo, what do you feel it takes to be a remarkable man in today's world? I can answer that in a in a in in a single word, but then I, I want to explain that right, and I would say compassion. Ah, I love it, and and compassion. I believe compassion makes us remarkable because compassion first has to include ourselves. And like I said before, compassion is the um, recognition of suffering 
and wanting to do something about uh, easing that suffering, right? Or wanting to create value. So uh, for me, a remarkable man is one who is able to recognize that we all suffer. Like we all have stories that go on in our minds and emotions that have been bottled up for years. It's like we all have that. And, and as we see that, we're willing to face that suffering so we can release it and we can expand ourselves into being uh, or having a greater state of well-being or being more happy, whatever, whatever you want to name it, right? Just expanding ourselves into something that's a, a greater state of, of, of well-being. Um, so compassion for me is the key, especially for us men. And this is this this is my story, and then I've seen it repeated in my clients and a lot of sure. friends around me, which is we've been denied our own emotions for too long, right? Yeah. And 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 having compassion for ourselves means acknowledging that we have bottled up a lot of emotions, and we have the right to deal and deal with them and let them go. And as we do so, we can soften the way we relate to ourselves. And as we soften that, we can expand. Because it's it's for me, it's like at some point in my life, I was sort of like a rock, right? Mm-hmm. So so it was like an emotional rock. It was like dealing with that rock and that there's bumping into people around me. And as I allowed myself to deal with those emotions, um, it became more of a balloon. Right, so uh, sometimes the balloon is expanded because I'm carrying too much, and then I let go of the air. And then sometimes it's really soft, and I can even hold others' emotions in it, right? And 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 it and it moves, and it never hurts anyone else, not even myself, because it's soft, right? So it's 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 having that compassion towards self that allowed me to deal with my own emotions, and now I can deal from a different state with those around me and, and and help them grow and expand. Right. And 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 that's been like really powerful for me and and, and for the teams I've led and now for my clients. So that, that would be my word, compassion. Wow. That's one of the best answers I've heard uh, for that question. So I I got it right here and I'm sure all of you that heard that, yeah, that landed. Rodolfo, I so appreciate you for being on The Remarkable Man Show and your amazing book, Be Leadership. There's the icon right there. How can we reach you? How can uh, our listeners uh, connect with you? Yeah, um, so you can find me in all social media platforms, uh, rodolfo.carrillo, or uh, you can visit my website, which is sercleader.com. Easiest way to reach me at any of those. Um, so yeah, I'm right and I'll, there. I'll, I'll have those all in the show notes, and if you're watching on YouTube, it'll be right below. So please click on Rodolfo Carrillo. I am so honored that you were a part of the Remarkable Man Show. Thank you for being here, my friend. Be good to yourself. It's been a, yeah, it's been a pleasure, Dwayne. You're doing an amazing show, and, and and I love your content. And thank you, thank you very much for having me here. Thank you. We'll uh, we'll invite you onto the show at another time as well. It'd be great to have you back. All right, gentlemen, there you have it. Be good to yourself. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for being a part of the Remarkable Man Show. Remember, you're not alone on the journey. I've got your back. Have the best day. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Thank you for listening to The Remarkable Man Show. If you like what you heard and you want to know more, 
go to theremarkablemanshow.com. Subscribe on iTunes and YouTube for the video version. Now get out there and be remarkable.